Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain unlimited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ Bucky here. And, Buck, we got a jam-packed show today. But before we get to what's coming up on the show, why don't you tell the folks at home when they can find the Move the Sticks podcast. Three days a week you can find us Sunday night slash Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. We have all your MTS content right there. Yeah, we've got a – man, I want to get rolling on the show. I'm pumped up about it. If you want to check out the video, by the way, NFL.com slash MTS video uh, is the place to go. But why don't you give the folks a little bit of an idea of what we're going to cover today. A lot of ground to go through. A lot of ground to go through. We're going to talk about all the coaching moves we got the divisional round playoffs x and o's taking all that and then a free agency preview who is going to be the hot free agent that everyone is going to talk about in the offseason yeah we've got some big coaching news too we can touch on let's uh let's start right now though kind of fresh darius geist very talented running back from lsu decided he is going to join this 2018 draft class and in a draft that to me is loaded at the running back position He's still got a very unique skill set. He does have a unique skill set. He's a guy that I think is uh, tremendously talented when it comes to running the ball. He can go inside and outside. He has the ability to catch the ball out the backfield. He's tough. He's physical. He has the grit and determination that you look for. I think he should be a terrific bell cow at the next level. And when you think about LSU running backs and some of the success that these guys have had in the pros, I think he is the next great Tiger to have success as an NFL runner. Interesting thing is when you kind of look at him and Barkley, Barkley has is a little bit bigger. Barkley has more juice, has more top speed than Darius does. Darius runs a little bit more physical, though, between the tackles. He'll Absolutely. drop his shoulder on you. He runs hard. He does run hard. I think that's his best quality. I think his physicality and toughness in terms of his ability to run through contact, his ability to finish runs off, he is a guy that if you put in a power-based offense, I think he's kind of a tempo setter as a dot back. Yeah, look, very early on in the process right now, he's the second best one behind Barkley that I've seen, though, in a great running back class. We'll have plenty of time to to delve into the the long list. I mean, it's a long list of dudes. A lot of running backs, and I think we talk about the valuation of the running back. Part of the reason they will be devalued, there's so many guys. And so teams that are looking for that next Kareem Hunt, the Alvin Kamara, the guy that they can find in the third round but can 
emerge as their workhorse back. I think they're finding because there's so many guys available in this draft. Yeah, a lot to choose from. All right, let's get to some coaching news here. We've touched on this previously, but now we kind of we've seen the press conference now with John Gruden and the Oakland Raiders. Ten years, hundred million, not bad. Uh, uh, not bad. Nice, nice, nice payday. Ten not, million per. Yeah. I think I could do a little something with that. Yeah, find a way to make it work there. Uh, anything stand out to you in terms of the staff that he's building, or just seeing him back there uh, in the silver and black? What What are your expectations here? Well, I think the great thing for disclosure, I played for John Gruden in Oakland back in '98, and I think what was terrific about it, I saw forty plus alums in the building. A lot of guys that I played with were there. And I think there's a sense of he's going to bring it back to when it's been at its best in Oakland in terms of having the black hole rock and having the synergy and connection between the community and the team. I think that's going to be there. I think the thing about John Gruden, what you're getting is you're getting an energetic offensive mind, a guy who certainly understands quarterback play, and he can get the most out of quarterbacks. It will be interesting to see how he meshes with Derek Carr, having gone back and seen some of the interactions that Gruden had with Derek Carr when Carr was coming out, I think he could be a blend. He's going to put a lot on Derek Carr's plate. And I think Derek Carr has to get used to being coached hard because that's the only way that John Gruden knows how to coach. He's going to be on the quarterback. He's going to put a lot of a lot of pressure on him to really lead the team. We'll see if Derek Carr can respond to that kind of coaching, teaching. I think the offense is going to be just fine. Paul Gunther's got the challenge to get this defense up and running. they got to add some pieces, too, in the offseason. they got to add some pieces, and he has to show that he can take those pieces and make them an elite unit. I would say that maybe Cincinnati's defense was a little disappointing based on the amount of talent that they had. Let's see what he's able to do in Oakland. He has a nice piece in Khalil Mack. What can he do with the rest of the pieces that are available to him? All right, how about some quick thoughts of what's going on with the Chicago Bears? Matt Nagy, who I was around with the Philadelphia Eagles, a really, really smart, bright young coach. He gets the head coach nod and then is a similar staff it looks like Vic Fangio probably going to hang around as defensive coordinator just announced today Mark Helfrich former Oregon head coach was the offensive coordinator before that is coming in to be his offensive coordinator Nagy's still going to call the plays but now you have Helfrich and that Chip Kelly background bringing some of those concepts uh, to the Chicago Bears and Mitchell Trubisky what do you think about what they're doing in Chicago well, I love the move to bring Mark Helfrich in. And I know it's a difficult transition going from being a college offensive coordinator and head coach to an NFL offensive coordinator because the field is different, the game is different, the hash has really changed the way that you think. But I think if we're talking about really building around the quarterback, this is the best move that they can make. Mark Helfrich was around Marcus Mariota. He was key to Mark Mariota's development as a Heisman Trophy winner. He can take a lot of that experience and use it to really help Mitchell Trubisky become a better player. You have to remember, Mitch Trubisky only played 10, 11, 12 games as a collegiate player. Goes to the league, starts all season. But he's still young. And when you're young and inexperienced, you have to do things that really fits his eye, fits his skill set. I think you will see the Chicago Bears do a lot of things that we see on Saturdays in college football. Try and find a way to dress it up so it can work in the pro game. But this should help the young quarterback play at his best until he's ready to do more traditional things as an NFL quarterback. Yeah, I thought one of the underrated hires, too, is getting Harry Heastan from Notre Dame, who is Big the offensive best line, offensive line coach in Absolutely. college football. He Absolutely. knows how to develop these guys, knows how to identify talent as well. Uh, that's big for them. Also, the the connection I was just we're talking about this. I thought about Helfrich being at Oregon uh, with Kyle Long. So you have a you have a relationship there with your best, really. I think your best offensive player. Well, I think so, and I think also when you look at these moves in terms of two collegiate coaches coming over, you have to think that the Bears are turning over their roster. They're gonna have a lot of young players. They're going to be more 
It's got to develop. You got to develop. Deal with the teaching and development that has to occur. I think it's a really, really good move. I like what's taking place. We'll see if they have enough talent to kind of pull it off. But I do like having some younger, some fresh ideas and innovative minds in the building. All right, uh, let's move on to Seattle. And uh, Pete Carroll, if he's going to have a coaches meeting, uh, he might be the only one there because they have cleaned house on both sides of the ball. Yeah, this is kind of puzzling and perplexing to me. This is a team that has always kind of stressed um, that family connection, really being together and bonded. And I know they had a disappointing year by their standards. This is a team that had been to the playoffs, I think, every year since 2012. Fall off a little bit. The offensive line has never been up to snuff, but I don't know if you've given Tom Cable the right pieces. I think Tom Cable got a lot to say of who those pieces were. And he did, and and maybe so, trying to transition defensive linemen and make them offensive linemen and the like. Then you have Daryl Bevel and Chris Richard. Both of those guys may not be retained. I think the interesting thing is Chris Richard, who is on the rise, a guy who is a head coaching candidate, did a pretty good job with a defense that was really hamstrung by a number of injuries. I think this is Pete kind of cleaning house, maybe trying to bring some fresh voices in, but I think he runs the risk of now everyone looking at him because they blew a tremendous opportunity a couple years ago when they had an opportunity to go back-to-back to win the Super Bowl. It hasn't been the same since, and I don't think it will ever be the same. I think we will see a new reincarnation of the Seattle Seahawks. I just don't know if this version will be better than the previous version that we've seen. To me, I, I look at that situation and I think of fear. I think of fear from Pete Carroll's standpoint of squandering the prime of Russell Wilson. He is in his prime right now. He's playing at an elite level. They've got to get better up front. They've thrown a bunch of bodies, a bunch of high picks at the offensive line. It has not worked. Um, so I think that's kind of why you see the offensive shift. Defensively, to me, it almost seems like this could be headed towards a, to- a total reboot. When uh, When Mike Silver had that report towards the end of the season and mentioned that he thought all those defensive guys were gone. I mean, he went down the list with Averill, uh, obviously the help. Well, I mean, I think I th- Michael Bennett, he said Earl Thomas probably won't be back. Richard Sherman's not going to be back. I mean, this is a brand new operation. It looks like Pete's going to start fresh with some coaches as well as some players. You know, what's so crazy about that is Chris Richard has been probably chiefly responsible for the success of the team. If you think about he started as a defensive back coach, he – basically developed the Legion of Boom, brought those guys up, taught them how to play. That was the backbone of their defense. And then you kind of show him the door with so many young players having to play prominent roles going forward. I don't know if that's necessarily the right move. That's a, you bring up a good point there, no question. All right, let's jump into some of these games here and preview them. Let's start with the uh, Falcons and the Eagles. This is the six-seed Falcons Traveling to Philly, take on the one-seed Eagles. Man, it seems like a lot of buzz around the Atlanta Falcons leading up to this game. My question, though, uh, can Nick Foles lead the Eagles to a win versus the Falcons? Can he get it done? You know, it's going to be tough because the Atlanta Falcons' defense is playing at a very, very high level. Uh, You look at the last nine games that they've played, they're only giving up 17.3 points per game. Falcons are 7-2 during that span. The big thing with Nick Foles and even the Eagles wide receivers, can they win versus press coverage? Not a lot of Blazers on the perimeter. Can they get open? We saw the sticky coverage that the Falcons used against the Rams a week ago to really contain that offense. And this is a unit that has played six top 10 scoring offenses. They have only given up an average of 19 points per game. The Eagles have struggled scoring since Nick Foles has taken over. I don't know if you're going to be able to score enough points unless that running game gets on track, and I think that is the key to them. 
getting the running game off so they can protect Nick Foles. No, I think also you look over to this defense for the Eagles, not only being able to stop the Atlanta Falcons, hopefully you can generate some turnovers if you're the Eagles. To me, it's getting some three and outs and getting favorable field position. You don't want Nick Foles in this in this uh, playoff environment to be backed up starting drives at your 5-10 yard line. You want to give him a couple opportunities Get to the 40, get to the 50, get some short fields. He's only got to get a couple balls. He's only got to hit a couple balls, and you run the football. I, I think the field position will be huge in this, and I think that's where that Eagles defense comes into play. Either generate some turnovers, generate some short fields. Yeah, it, it has to be playing complementary football. That has to be the priority. And when we talk about complementary football, it's different than the way the Eagles were playing early. Early in the year, they were able to lean on Carson Wentz. That offense was putting up 30-plus points. It's easy to play defense in those situations. Now the Eagles have to play more stop and takeaway defense, meaning they got to get three and outs. They got to play the ping pong field position battle where they always put their quarterback in a position to be on a short field. And they got to find a way to score points on defense, meaning create turnovers and put the ball in favorable scoring position. We'll see. I love their defense. I believe if they run the ball, they have an opportunity, but they're going to have to be committed to running the ball. This is a game where they have to have 30-plus carries because that will really alleviate and offset some of the burden on Nick Foles. I flip it over to the Falcons here. they got a little mo going, a little momentum going offensively. Uh, can they keep that rolling? Matt Ryan made some big throws in that game against the Rams. Didn't have to do a ton. We talked about field position. They had some favorable field position in that game against the Rams. Uh, can they get it going? And, and to me, when I look at the key to them getting going – is can they protect long enough to take some of those double-move shots down the field because that has been an issue for the Eagles and the Falcons with their receiving core, definitely have guys that can go get it. They absolutely have guys that can go get it. I think the matchup plays well for the Falcons' receivers in terms of how they match up against the cornerbacks from the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't know who's going to match up with Julio Jones. Julio Jones could be a major problem for the Eagles. I would expect Jim Swartz to make sure that he finds a way to double-team him and not let him be the big factor. But they're going to push the ball down the field. They need to make some chunk plays. This has been the element that has been missing from the Falcons' offense, that explosive vertical attack. But in this game where they know their defense should have an advantage over the Eagles' offense, they may elect to be a little more ball control, play like they played last weekend against the Rams, run it, control it, very methodical and systematic in their approach. Could be tough for the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, who do you like, Buck? You know, I'm going to go with the Atlanta Falcons. I think it's been um, – widely debated whether the Eagles can win with Nick Foles. I just believe that the Falcons are the team that no one wants to see because right now they don't have any pressure on them. This is a team that went to the Super Bowl a year ago. They understand how to get to the winner's circle, and they're playing with house money. I think that is enough to get them going, and I think the defense is playing well at the right time. I think the Eagles end up winning this game, and the two reasons are two players. You look at Fletcher Cox and Timmy Jernigan. I think inside versus those guards from the Atlanta Falcons, I think they can dominate those one-on-one matchups. I think that Eagles defensive line takes over the game. Going to be close. It's a big task ahead of them without Carson Wentz, but I think the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, they find a way to get it done at home. All right, let's flip over to the AFC, and this is a game with the Titans and the Patriots, Bucky. i got to be honest. We want we, we, we want to be liked, right? You want you want. I mean, I like being liked. Yes, I, I get the sense though from Twitter that the uh, the Titans fans they don't like us very much, and uh, uh, I guess behind the glass they've come up with a reason why. One with the LA Rams. I think the LA Rams are one of the best teams in the league. I think we're beginning to see this team primed and ready to make a Super Bowl run. I think it's going to continue to happen. Yeah, I'm with you. I think the Rams get it done here. Pick a winner in this game, Bucks. I'm going with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I like the Jags to get it done. Are you like the Chiefs then? To, to I, I do like the Kansas City Chiefs in this. I think experience matters. I like the Chiefs in this game too. I think it's going to be a fun game to watch. I think Marcus Mariota run around, make some plays. But I think the Chiefs, uh, they have a better football team. They get the win here. Yeah, so apparently we never picked the Titans. Uh, 
so that's why they're they're not happy with. They said actually had someone on Twitter say we owed the Titans an apology uh, this week if they beat the and I'll say that look if they beat the Patriots I'll I will gladly issue an apology on Twitter on this show wherever you want to do it. But uh, uh, when you look at this game, if they're going to win, if they're going to pull this upset, how are they how are they going to do it? Derrick Henry has to have 25 or more rushing attempts. If Derrick Henry has more than 25 rushing attempts, this game is playing the way that the Tennessee Titans wanted to play out. I believe they want to play a physical football game, but they also want to play keep away. The best way to play keep away is to run the ball, chew up the clock, keep Tom Brady on the sideline. Also, when you look at the Patriots, the Patriots don't necessarily have a dominant pass rusher. The best way to set your quarterback up to pass is to be able to run it and throw off play action. If you're able to get this guy, number 22, established as a bell cow runner, we know that he can wear opposing defenses down. And in the fourth quarter, if the game is tight, that physicality and toughness and thinking about tackling a 6'4", 245-pound man, could make some defenders make business decisions. All right, this is where we, we disagree on this one, Bucky, because I'm looking at this game and the Patriots and their history. They always try and make you left-handed. They're going to find out what you do best. They are going to take that away. So Marcus Mariota, you look at it and say, okay, Marcus has got to run around. They've got to get that run game cranked up. I think you're going to see all the assets dedicated to stopping the run in this game. I, they're going to beg Mariota to throw the ball. And so when I look at how they get it done, I put the numbers at 275 yards, which in today's world doesn't seem like an astronomical number, and two touchdowns. I think Marcus Mariota is going to have to get it done with his arm because the Patriots are going to force him to throw the football. I think he's capable if he can get into a little bit of a rhythm and maybe they can get some stuff going off play action. I think he's going to have pretty simplified coverage to look at because they're going to dedicate so they're going to dedicate so many bodies to stop the run. So I, I think it comes down to whether or not Marcus can get it done through the air. I mean, they're going to challenge him, and I think the big thing with Marcus is he has to be a playmaker. If he can take anything and gain some confidence, I think Deshaun Watson had a pretty good game. He did against him, and that mobility, that athleticism. I would expect the Tennessee Titans coaching staff to spend a lot of time looking at what Bill O'Brien and the Houston Texans did against New England because Deshaun Watson got off. It's no reason why Marcus Mariota can't get off against that same team. He's got to throw a couple touchdowns to himself, right? Oh, yeah, there you go, a little give yep. and go. Got to get the give and go. Two, two touchdowns to himself. <laughs> that helps. Uh, Tom Brady, been a little bit of a funk here, Buck. Six interceptions in his last six games. He only had two in the first 10 games of the season. You expecting him to, to bounce back here as we get in the postseason? Well, he's had time, and typically what happens, Tom has done this for a while. The last four or five years, his December play has tailed off, but the bye week typically allows him to get back on track, the rest up, the refresher. I think we can see Tom Brady at his best. He is going to dial it up and attack the weak part of this Titans defense. Look for them to spread it out. Look for them to use the running backs to create mismatches. But I think Tom Brady is going to be his normal self. I think we will see MVP Tom Brady show up this weekend. Yeah, most quarterbacks you throw with your legs, and I think you get some time off and some rest. I think he's going to have fresh legs. He'll get those uh, feet planted in the ground, and he'll throw the ball really well. I expect him to have a, have a big game here. Who, who are we picking here, Buck? Yeah, I'm scared. Titans fans, you're not going to like this. Go ahead, Buck. I'm going to go to New England Patriots. I don't, said, I don't need no that. analysis. I don't need, I yeah, I'm going to go with the New England. I want to keep. I want to keep it going for the Titans fans, so they can't be mad. At it. I yeah. keep picking against them. Then they it's working. Then it, it works for them. Yeah, I'm going with the Patriots as well. So look, if they uh, if the Titans get it done, apologies will be issued. I can promise you that. Uh, let's stay in the AFC. Two seed Steelers hosting the Jags. Uh, the game plan for Blake Bortles in this game against the Steelers, Bucky, is what? He has to wear the big sombrero. We'll explain that now. Well, the big sombrero means he has the big hat. He has the big hat, meaning that we 
everyone in this building knows that Blake Bortles has to play an A-plus game for them to win, meaning that he has to be able to carry the offense with his arm. Last week he was able to kind of play as a single-wing quarterback. That's not going to be good enough to get it done against the Steelers. If he wins, I think he has to hit these benchmarks. I think he needs to complete better than 65% of his passes. He can't have any turnovers, and he needs to have two-plus passing touchdowns. If he does that, I think you can go ahead and get that ticket. Jacksonville is going to New England. That's a bold statement there, Buck. I'll tell you what. The uh, Remember the old Snoop video where he kind of morphed into the dog? Yeah. Great, great video. Love it. Uh, this, to me, the Bortles – Having success in this game comes down to Bortles kind of being able to morph into Michael Vick. You think so? He's got to be Bortles Vick. Uh, what do we call uh, wow. it? Michael Michael Bortles. Yeah, uh, Blake, how, Blake Vick. How, how does that how does that happen? Because I, I'm take. looking. What? Look at these guys. They're basically oh, the same guy. Oh, he just has to take off. The same and guy. Run around. And run around. Make plays with your legs. Look. It, in all seriousness, we give Bortles you know, a lot of grief for some of the layups that he missed. I got let's give him some credit for his toughness as a runner. He's getting it done as a runner, getting him first downs. Doesn't matter what it looks like. He's been effective with his legs. So don't abandon that. Keep that going. Get out there, get some first downs with your legs. So it'll be uh it'll be I'll just go with Blake Vick. I don't like I don't like that as much. I like oh. that better than the uh than the uh, Michael Bortles. Yeah. <laughs> Bortles, it just makes me Blake, think. Blake Vick. Yeah, I, I like that. I think I think that's a better that's so, a better name. Got to get out there and run around a little bit. Nothing wrong with that. Uh how about Antonio Brown coming back? Uh, been injured, had that calf injury. I mean, I thought he would be done for the year when we saw that happen live. But he's been uh, out there working out with Chad Ochocinco, and darn if he doesn't look pretty good in a little, uh, little social media video that popped out. I there. mean, that social media video you go. did show him look pretty good. It also shows that Chad Ochocinco <laughs> never played defensive back <laughs> in his life. I think the big thing for A.B. is – He's not necessarily going to come back and be the same guy that he was. I think it's ah, – Chad, come on, man. He's going to wear down. The, the tough thing – when you look at the Steelers wide receivers versus the Jaguars corners, the Jaguars defense is absolutely legit against the pass. Number one pass defense, number one in pass rating allowed, number one in completion percentage held. And second in sacks when you have that front, it's going to be tough sledding for the Pittsburgh Steelers. For them to win, 26 is going to have to be an issue because you just don't want Ben Roethlisberger to have a five-pick game again. And part of that was due to they didn't commit to running the ball. I think this time they have to be a little more committed to running the football. I'm going to challenge you here. You got the courage? You going to do it? You going to pick the Jags? Oh, I'm absolutely all in on the Jags. I mean, I'm down with Duval. Nice. I am down. I'm a Jaguar for life. DTW. Duval till we die. Oh, I like that's that. What I, they say. That's what, I, that's they what they say. I've been getting that on Twitter a little bit because little they know DTW. I'm picking the Jags. I'm with you. I'm picking the Jags. They've been sending me that on Twitter. I didn't know what it meant. <laughs> I didn't know it was a good thing. It's uh, because thing. some of the things I'm getting on this is not good because we did a preview earlier in the week and we both kind of let the cat out of the bag that we like the Jags in this game. People are screen grabbing this thing and showing me and you picking the Jags and they're just saving it and they were going to come after us. So uh, sure uh, I need the guys happen. behind the glass to give us a little cover here in case the Steelers win. Um, just in case. Just in case. Flip flip it. Uh, can you just get a picture of me and Bucky with the Steelers? Okay, let's look down. Point down. See, see, Point down. We got it. Yeah. We got it right there. We yeah. So when they send that screen grab, then we've got them picking we get, the Steelers. We, got them. We, got we can't be right. Nice. You guys looking out for it. We're always right. There. We're always right. We nice. got you guys. Nice. We got you guys. Done. Appreciate that. Uh, anyways, we'll see what happens in that one. That's going to be a fun game. Ping, bong, ping pong back over to the NFC. Saints and Vikings. Buck, I gotta be honest with you. When we we talk about these games on air, off air, I get the sense from you that this is your favorite playoff game of the year. Oh, I like this game. I think this game is. You really, love both really these teams. I like both of the teams. I've been big fans of the teams 
all year. Uh, Minnesota, I believe, is built the right way. If I could go back and become a general manager, I want to build my team very similar to the way the Vikings are constructed. I don't think they have a glaring weakness. They're solid on defense. They have talent at every level. On offense, the offensive line has been fixed. They had a big-time running back in Dalvin Cook, but they had depth behind him. Uh, Two playmakers at wide receiver. And then the depth that they've assembled at quarterback gives them an opportunity to win even if Case Keenum doesn't bring it his A game. All right, what are your expect- expectations for Case in this one? <laughs> you know, I think it's, the game is going to be a little big for him. I think when you look at the quarterback battle between Drew Brees and Case Keenum, you always have to go for Drew Brees. He's been at this for so long. You just know how Drew Brees is going to play. Drew Brees, I mean, he's just like going to a franchise restaurant. You know exactly what you're getting. And Case Keenum, you just don't know. He has played great during the regular season. Everything has been a bit like a little Cinderella run. But how does he handle the big game? This game is bigger. I think he's going to feel it. He's going to sense it. I don't expect him to be prime case Keenan, but I think the Vikings are good enough to win even if he doesn't play at his best. Case Keenum's gotten away with a lot of rainbows. So a lot of those rainbows had a pot of gold at the end. Be careful. When is the leprechaun coming? Yeah, the leprechaun is, might, when when might the be leprechaun Marshawn Lattimore. <laughs> when is uh, the leprechaun just coming? be careful with some of those uh, with Case Keenum. All right, Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara. Not a big game for them last week. This was all about Drew Brees the previous week. Do you think they bounce back with a big game against this Vikings? Front? You know, I think it's tough because I think the way that the Carolina Panthers defended the New Orleans Saints is the way that you have to defend them. And it sounds crazy to have a guy that has four 5,000-yard seasons be the guy that you're saying that you want to win. But we know if you let these two guys go off, it's an absolute L for the opposing team. I think Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram have combined for 3,000-plus scrimmage yards. If they get going, you have no chance. I expect them to be major factors unless the Minnesota Vikings take a page from the Carolina Panthers game plan, their playbook, and say that we're going to stop number 22 and number 41 at all costs, and we're going to dare number nine to do it again. That might be the right strategy for them. Well, they've got a better secondary than Carolina, so they can put those assets up there to stop the run and still hold up, I think, against the pass. All right, two of the best defensive players in the NFL, actually both Pac-12 guys, Cam Jordan from Cal and Everson Griffin from USC. Who has a bigger impact in this game? You know, I'm going to go with Everson Griffin for the Minnesota Vikings. We talked about it. I don't think their offense is going to play well. I believe this is going to be on the shoulders of their defense, but that defense can stand up. Everson Griffin is one of the best pass rushers in the league energetic, athletic, terrific with his hands. He consistently finds a way to disrupt the action in the backfield. I believe he's going to be a force. Of all the people on that front line that can really make Drew Brees nervous, Everson Griffin is the guy. He has to stand up and be the Pro Bowl player that he has been. I expect him to be that this weekend. I love Everson Griffin, but I'm actually going to go on the other side of it and take Cam Jordan. He's been playing out of his mind. I mean, he's had a great career, but this year he's taken his game even up to another level. His ability to come off the edge, he's just too big and strong uh, coming off the edge. So many of these pass rushers now are built for speed, and you you see little undersized edge rushers coming off. He just overpowers these tackles, Bucky. He doesn't have to sacrifice a lot of quickness to do it either. And if you want to slide him inside, he's, he's capable of rushing in there as well. I, I just think he's one of the best defensive players in the entire league and want to give him a little bit of love here. I mean, he's finally getting the respect that he deserves because he's been a really good player for a long time. And I'll be honest, when I saw him come out of Cal, I didn't envision him blossoming into this kind of dominant player. But to his credit, 
He's versatile. He's dynamic. He's dominant. He is everything that you want at a position. He is their best defensive player, and that says a lot because they have assembled a lot of good players on that side of the ball. All right, pick the game. Who you like? I'm going to Minnesota Vikings. I think playing at home is a huge difference. Even though it's a dome and the Saints play fast, their defense is a notch better, and I think in the playoffs the defense really, really matters. Now Harrison Smith is a difference for me in this game. I'm going to go with the uh, Minnesota Vikings as well. NFC Championship game at home, maybe a Super Bowl at home as well. All right, uh, NFL Pick'em Show. You want to see all these games get picked by our, our group of podcasting partners here. Uh, where can the folks find that? Is it, what, what, 8 Eastern? Is that what we at? 8 Eastern. Saturday? Saturday, you know, because we got games on Saturday and Sunday, so you got to tune in. Make sure you tune in, podcast, pick them. We got it. All right, there you go. Check that out. All right, time for our weekly segment here. It's time to uh, push past the expected presented by Visa. Talking to some guys that could be X-Factors in this weekend's games. Let's do this rapid fire here. Let's just roll through these quick here, Bucky. Give me one. Nelson Aguilar for the Philadelphia Eagles has to be a big player. The reason he has to be big is he is the slot receiver. They're going to face a lot of man-to-man, bump man-to-man. He has to win his battle. So I expect him to be a major factor because if you think about Arshon Jeffrey, he's not necessarily quick enough to consistently win against Desmond Trufant and Robert Alford. I don't know if Torrey Smith can give them anything. Their best matchup in the past Passing game is Nelson Aguilar working from the slot. He has to be a monster player. If he gets to that 100-yard mark, that would mean that the Philadelphia Eagles are rolling. He has to be the factor. All right, good one there. I'm going to go Delaney Walker with the Tennessee Titans. Uh, pretty simple here. You get a tight end, you can uncover. Those are some of the easiest throws and easiest completions you can get. Get Marcus Mariota in a groove early in this game. I mentioned earlier he's got to throw the ball. Delaney Walker can give him some of those layups early in the game and get him rolling. Who you got? Uh, well, give me another one here. Who you got? Leonard Fournette for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I know we talked earlier about Blake Bortles having to be a big factor, but at the end of the day, their offense is run through Leonard Fournette. We see the physicality. We see the toughness. The last time they played against the Pittsburgh Steelers, he was a monster. He was the hammer, and he drove a nail into the baseboard. I believe he has an opportunity to do it again. They need him to do it again, so Blake Borders doesn't have to do everything. Ah, you with those boring big names. Give me Josh Hill from the New Orleans Ooh. Saints. Exactly, the forgotten man on this offense. Drew Brees has a little trust with him, working down the seam, working in the middle of the field, not afraid to throw him back shoulders. He can adjust on the fly. He's kind of the forgotten guy, especially you get down the red zone. He can be effective down there as well. Josh Hill, I think he needs to have a big game if the Saints go to Minnesota and get it done. He needs to be big. All these be, big names. It's going to be on number nine. It's going to be on Drew Brees. So shovel out and start digging a little deeper on some of these guys. I'm going to go <laughs> deep. Josh Hill. All right, that was pushed past the expected, uh, presented by Visa there. All right, uh, Bucky, this is going to be a fun exercise here. I'm you think sure so? Everybody at home is going to agree with this. Yeah. Uh, we're going to take the quarterbacks remaining in the playoffs. There are eight of them. Ooh, eight. Let's 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 do what we do. Let's rank them one to eight. Ooh, one to eight. Ready? You know, that's a tough one. I, I wish I could just stick my hand in a hat. I wish I had a hat that I could just kind of stick in. Pull those names out. Pull the name out. But I know who number one is for me. Give I'm going to go with the GOAT, TB12, Tom Brady's number one. If I could just play anywhere on any day, any location, any time against any defense, I want Tom Brady to be my quarterback. He has consistently been able to lead his team to the winner's circle. It doesn't matter who he's surrounded by. He finds a way to generate production in the passing game. We will see Tom Brady at his best in the postseason. Count on it. Well, at his home atop our list, he's allowed to bring his trainer. We're okay with that. <laughs> Alex Guerrero, come on. All right, let's get to number two on the list. Uh, another Hall of Famer here. Drew Brees would be the number two quarterback left in the postseason. This was a tough one, kind of sorting between Brees and Roethlisberger. Uh, but Drew Brees, the most accurate quarterback there is, maybe the most accurate quarterback I've ever seen, Bucky. He's outstanding. Uh, is efficient, decision-making, all that stuff off the charts. He's number two on the list. 
You know, number three for me is going to be Big Ben Roethlisberger. Big Ben has really evolved as a player throughout his time in the National Football League. Went from being a runaround playmaker that kind of preferred to do his thing in the sandlot to now he's a little more disciplined and detailed, and it shows up. Most explosive offense in football, I think. Pittsburgh Steelers with all their weapons when healthy. Big Ben is a huge part because he's a nice point guard. Distributes the ball, lets them do their work. Big Ben, number three in this list. Right tucked in behind him is Matt Ryan. You could make the case Matt Ryan could be a spot higher. That's a great debate. We both end up going with Ben. But Matt Ryan, MVP last year, uh, the toughness I think is underrated with him. I love that about his game. Hanging in the pocket till the last second, no flinch mentality, can deliver the ball inside, outside, uh, short, intermediate, down the field. He, he can make every single throw. Uh, a decent athlete, not the greatest athlete in the world, but definitely a decent athlete. And the guy's just, to me, I come back to the toughness. He is one tough dude. Yeah, toughness really, really matters. And I love my, Ryan's toughness. But – I like Marcus Mariota's toughness even better. What he has been able to display the last part of the season, to me, confirms that he can be a franchise quarterback in this league. The way he was able to get it done against the Kansas City Chiefs only suggests that the best is yet to come. As a runner and as a passer, he creates problems for the defense. I believe he is only going to grow into an even more dynamic playmaker at the position. Right now, he's five. Soon, he could be soaring up this chart. He is terrific as a playmaker for the tight. Yeah, playmaker, yes. Passer, this year, he's got some work to do. He can improve, but I thought it was a great sign we saw from him last week with the Kansas City Chiefs. No question. Case Keenum, if you just want to go solely off what we've seen in this little sample size this year, maybe you make the case he's higher. We have him at number six on the list. Uh, you can't. I can't erase everything that I saw previously, Bucky. I love what I've seen from him this year. Uh, what we want to throw the gritty tab. We can throw gritty on him. Yeah, we can throw gritty, feisty, competitor, all those other things. He's he's all those intangible qualities that you want from an undersized quarterback. But he's delivered, and exactly. I think because he's de- delivered and played as well, the Minnesota Vikings are sitting primed and ready to go on a Super Bowl run. Yeah, he's been very accurate and really done a nice job spreading the ball around. All right, we've got two quarterbacks left. It's Nick Foles and Blake Bortles. Who's seven? Who's eight? I'm going to go with Nick Foles at number seven. Look, years ago, this guy had a 27-2 to two touchdown to interception ratio. And I don't know how long he can live off that meal, but we're going to live <laughs> off it a little bit longer because I think he is just a notch above the guy that is position number eight. He's a guy that has flashed at times. And if he just can envision whoever he's playing against being the New York Giants, maybe <laughs> we will see Nick Foles play at a high level again. Five touchdowns, only two interceptions, three starts. I know we have really, really criticized him, but maybe, just maybe, he outplays some of the guys that are ranked ahead of him. I've reached the point where I almost do feel bad for some of the grief that Why? Bortles has taken. He's Why do number you feel eight bad? on our list. Man, he's everybody, everybody, I mean, using players, when players start using terms like you're trash, you don't see that. No, guys don't do that. Uh, anyways, no. he's taking a lot of heat. I give him credit for his ability to run the football. He's actually played Hold much on. better. But, but I listen to what you said. I'm giving you give credit, credit to the quarterback for running. for running the ball. He ran for in 88 yards league. in a playoff game. And threw for 86. He ran for 88. Let's, I'm a glass half full focus guy. On, focus on the positive. I'm a glass half full guy. What can you do, right? That's what we were taught as scouts, not what can't you do. He's a, what, do you, what do you like about him as a quarterback? He runs. He's a good runner. He runs. He's a good runner. He's, He's a, a playmaker. He does a nice job. He's a playmaker. Um, playmaker. Anyway, he had played better in the middle portion of the year. And at the end of the year, he kind of reverted back. But uh, anyways, Jacksonville, we still think, finds a way to get it done. Uh, hopefully, Bortles played a little bit better this week. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of teams are out of it, Buck. We only got eight teams left, so a lot of these fan bases are already kind of looking towards the off season. And we're, we're draft guys; that's our our bread and butter. But before we get to the draft, we got free agency. Oh, free agency matters because it impacts the draft. Sometimes you can address those needs in free agency. That means you don't have to go in the draft looking for what you need. 
And this year, we got some notable free agents. Let's throw out some names here. Just uh, kind of wet your whistle a little bit for what's out there. We got Kirk Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo. I think uh, we'll see Ooh. interesting with we Cousins. Alec Garoppolo Robinson. ain't going anywhere. Here we go. Sammy Watkins. Jimmy Graham down at the bottom. Ezekiel Anson might be the best pass rusher available. Malcolm Butler and true, true main Johnson. Two lockdown corners also on the market. All right, let's each pick a couple here that are intriguing stories that we're anxious on, to follow man. here. Start us off. Come on, this is easy. Kirk Cousins. Captain Kirk. Kirk Cousins at the top of the list. Whatever you think about Kirk Cousins, it doesn't matter. He is about to get paid. We may <laughs> see the first $30 million player, and that's because Kirk Cousins has put together three straight 4,000-yard seasons. Say what you want to about the supporting cast not having it. He is consistent. He has been able to deliver and in a system where he's really supported by big-time playmakers on the outside. Who knows how good Kirk Cousins can be because of that and because he has been so consistent, I believe. He is going to be a coveted free agent when he hits the market in March. Jacksonville and Denver, the two teams I wrote down. Pick one. Who I picked the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos, to me, they've gone the, the veteran perfect, route before. They're a perfect spot. He has two veteran receivers. Um, I, I just think it makes sense. And then that defense can play. He should be able to finally play comfortably. I think that's a good fit for him. All right, I, I like that as well. All right, let's go uh, to my first one here. Allen Robinson. Everybody forgot about him. Got hurt early this year. Uh, didn't play. So we, we talk about a player that is a true number one, in my opinion, had some big years for the Jags. And, again, this is not the, the most accurate dude throwing the ball either. So he's got a lot of production. Expands the strike zone. Could have a lot more production. Uh, but, man, he's, to me, I think he can do everything. Third down, red zone, that's my definition of a number one wide receiver. Guys that can dominate in those two situations, he can do that. I think he's going to make somebody very happy. The team that comes to my mind, not just because Hytham back there is a big Bears fan. Oh, he'd the be Bears perfect. need some help. They need some weapons, and I think Allen Robinson would be a great addition. Alshon Jeffrey like, but I think he's a little, a little more, more dynamic. A little more, a little more dynamic than Alshon. He would give them a legitimate number one, command some of that. And then, you know, he's used to being a cold-weather player, spend his collegiate days in Happy Valley for Penn State. I think it's a nice fit. All right, give me another name. Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry is a prolific slot receiver, one of the best to ever do it. And, you know, look, ideally it's not necessarily textbook. He's not necessarily teaching tape when it comes to playing the position, but he's a sandlot player, a guy that understands how to get it done. I could see him being a very productive player and an offense that needs someone that can make things happen in the slot. Love his run after catch ability, his ability to make things happen. Yeah, he is, man, he is aggressive. I love the temperament he plays with there. Uh, Jarvis Landry will be a, a good find for somebody. Tremaine Johnson for the uh, Los Angeles Rams. Again, uh, shut down corner, I guess, uh, that kind of retired with Dion. But he is a big physical receiver. You see him matching up with Alshon Jeffrey in this clip right here. But some of those power forward uh, receivers you got to face, he is a great matchup for them. He's got really, really good ball skills. Uh, to me, I think he's going to be a very, very intriguing name out there on the market. This reminds me a little bit. Of an Akeem Talib, you know, I think Akeem Talib is capable. If you plug him in and you got another good corner, man, you get a little smaller corner that can match up with the speed guy. Well, yeah, him to match up, man, you've got something going there. Absolutely, he's long, long arms can challenge you in a bunch of different ways. Has good ball skills. I think he's a terrific player. All right, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. Free agency just around the corner. All right, college football season is wrapped up. Is it? Yeah, it did, Buck. I know uh, as much as you love this pick segment that we do every week. Uh, we can roll the the final standings here, and it looks like we've got a uh, a two time champ here back to back. Kent was able to get it done. One, wow, one twenty seven and fifty six. Uh, I came in second place. Really darn proud to be honest with you. Uh, sneaking in there, Sully 
had to go uh, had to go opposite of Kent in the championship game, so he dropped down to third. And Bucky made a, a strong push there at the end. Did I? Uh, nah, really? Just, uh, somewhat. I'm somewhat. Like I'm fourth. It's, I'm embracing the process. I'm nah. Philadelphia 76. <laughs> exactly. Building up for just building assets. Building up. Building assets, building up. Building assets, assets for next year. But I thought since he won, uh, we have yet to have. I don't know if Kent's got a chance to talk on the show, but we want to be gracious in defeat. And I want to hear uh, from Kent behind the glass. So, uh, Kent, just a few words uh, for us here. What do you think is uh, is the key to your success? Just watching a lot of college football and each week talking to you guys about it. Yeah, it looks like we've lost Kent. That's, uh, that's <laughs> a there. Anyways, Man, I don't know what happened. I don't know, you I don't know, know what, what happened there. You know what, Kent? It's like, it's, like, it's like playing for the New England Patriots. Sometimes when you're the opposing team, the headset's just mistaken. Yeah, the headset's just no, I just I don't, awesome. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what happened there. Congratulations, Seth. Uh, I will say, though, <laughs> the, hi- the highlight of the title game, I watched it with Sully. Watching him have to try to find a reason to cheer for Bama or Georgia was worth being there and watching that. Uh, that, was was pretty, that was a pretty painful uh, three, three and a half hours, guys. Uh, well. Oh, well. I wish I could say I felt bad for you. Third, third place. I'll take it, I guess. <laughs> Kent, once again. Next year, Bucky. We'll get him next year. Yeah, uh, let's hope so. All right, Sully. Nice work. Uh, can't appreciate – can't organize these picks every week, too. We put in a lot of work at getting these games to us and uh, really ran the whole show there. So thanks for doing that, Kent. Congratulations. That's going to do it for us today, Buck. We've uh, covered some uh, ground here talking about the playoffs, got free agency, ranking quarterbacks, and we did a lot of different things here. I uh, had a lot of fun. Did have a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Looking forward to the playoffs. All right, Move the Sticks podcast for those that uh, are just joining us here for the first time. The Sunday slash Monday morning pod, a Tuesday and Thursday pod, those are all coming your way. If you want to check out some video, NFL.com slash MTS video uh, has you covered there. As you can also check out the uh, YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash NFL. You can find our Move the Sticks goodies there. For those on Apple Music, we appreciate you leaving us the uh, the ratings and the reviews. Those are a big help. Uh, keep those coming. And, uh, hey, we'll be back here in just a couple days. Playoff football. Looking forward to a big, big weekend of NFL action. We'll see you next time. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to NFL.com slash podcasts. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. Do you have a digital mindset? Check out Season 3 of This is Digital. Season 3 of This is Digital goes behind the scenes to reveal how digital trends show up in everyday decisions and actions, including driving profitable growth in enterprise software and how the new sports fan experience can drive revenue. Featuring guests like Chris D'Agostino of Databricks and Scott Crable of Tama Bravo. Check out the latest and greatest on Season 3 of This is Digital and learn more at westmonroe.com. Turns out, a delightfully clean home can make for a delightful start to the day. 
At Mrs. Myers, everything they make is inspired by the garden. With plant-derived and other thoughtfully chosen ingredients, their cleaning products smell like a dream and work like the Dickens, leaving your home sparkly clean and your to-do list tackled in no time. Goodness, there's no better feeling than that. Mrs. Myers, rooted in goodness. Visit mrsmyers.com today.